if you want to call us an underdog, go ahead. Uh, we'll use that energy. We're going to need to bring our best game the best time of the year. We're going to give it our all. See what happens. He was moving in shooting. He's the home. Mark Shetley with a wrist shot. It's a power play goal. What a beauty play by Winnipeg. Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Hosted by Jets TV. Hello and welcome to another edition of Ground Control, episode 107, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Joined here by Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton and 680 CJOB's Paul Edmonds. Guys, it's playoff time, uh, and the topic of discussion, obviously, is goats. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, did you expect that to be the hot-button issue of May 17th? Well, I saw the photo get posted, and I have to admit that story of Mark uh, Shifley becoming a goat owner in the last month and a half was one that eluded me. So, uh, but now I am following the account that uh, he posts on in regards to his animals and, and whatnot. But I just thought it was his, uh, his quote about, and you can, you can see this whole availability on uh, winnipegjets.com. If you want to watch it, the conversation starts at six minutes and 55 seconds, which is appropriate for Mark Shifley, number 55. But uh, the fact that the quote that he had about when they bah at you in the morning and he's like, it's like, they're saying dad, I was dying. Like, thankfully I was on mute for that, but I thought that was absolutely hilarious. I especially like the part where he talked about bringing the goats, the pet goats from some sort of a farm property that he has inside the city limits here um, as being one of the pets that he has or the pair of pets that he has with uh, his significant other and bringing them to the rink and then them sort of doing their business wherever they felt it was okay to do their (laughs) business and then having the trainers not be very happy. I don't know that he made them clean it up or not. I would imagine (laughs) that he had to, but you can't have goat without the other stuff. And uh, when you have pets, you have to clean up after them, regardless of whether they're a cat dog, or in this case, a pair of goats named Tom Brady and Tiger Woods. Last note on the goat topic, uh, Paul, you live on an acreage. Has goat ownership ever crossed your mind? Uh, not mine, but it has my wife's. Um, she <laughs> would like to get some animals that way. We have um, the people across the highway from us have a number of chickens that end up in our property every once in a while because they're free range <laughs> chickens. Um, but we have three dogs and there has been some talk about maybe um, some goats or some ducks at some point. Um, And maybe even a chicken coop, which I wouldn't be adverse to because we would produce the eggs, right? But right now where we are with my wife's home-based business and with our kids being 12, 14, and then just about 19, we still have a little ways to go with them before we can kind of turn our attention to things that we want to do, you know, exclusively. So yes and no, the subjects has come up about other animals and maybe some sort of livestock, Tyler but we haven't really we haven't really gone all in on that just yet uh you got to go you got to get emotionally there before you can get financially there well said uh well we've reached this now point of the podcast well, let's talk about hockey uh mitchell the winnipeg jets got wins in their final two games of the regular season uh obviously the the, the losing streak is what everybody's kind of talking about right now but 
that's that's behind the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, just your thoughts on how they were able to end the season as they transitioned into playoff mode. Well, and Paul Maurice said the, the Jets are likely be better for that uh, skid that they went through. And I remember him partway through that losing streak just talking about how a lot of times you're going to start to establish these really good habits probably before the, the streak comes to an end. And I think that was that was exactly what we saw. I mean, they go in, they beat the Calgary Flames 4 nothing to clinch their playoff spot, but you know, maybe didn't get the game that they were anticipating against the Flames because it wasn't as tight checking, you know, you had all these uh, bounces go your way, which is a great thing, but there was some, some rush chances and whatnot, things that you're probably not going to see in the postseason. So then they go and they lose a couple more games, uh, but played, played well in them, just didn't get the the breaks or, or converted on some chances. And then, like you said, the last couple of games of the season, a big five, nothing win over the Vancouver Canucks and a four, two win over the Toronto Maple Leafs to close it out. The things that kind of stood out to me, number one, obviously, the play of Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler um, combining for 15 points over the course of those two games, Blake Wheeler with four points against the Vancouver Canucks and what was Paul Stastny's thousandth game. And I mean, that was just, I mean, that's the kind of performance that you want to see from those three players going into the postseason. is you want them to be catching fire because I mean, you look at Kyle Connor, he had gone seven games without a goal and then all of a sudden now he's got four goals in his last three games and it looks like he can't miss when he's got the puck on his stick. And that's exactly how you want Kyle Connor feeling going into the postseason. The one, if there was one thing that maybe didn't go their way, it was, you know, game 56 where you, you have Paul Stastny go down and, and his first shift and uh, he doesn't finish the game and Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't finish the game. So that's obviously something we're keeping an eye on. Thankfully for the Jets, you know, in their practice on Monday, Paul Stastny was a, a full uh, participant. We haven't seen Pierre-Luc Dubois as of 2.21 p.m. Central Time on May 17th, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Um, <laughs> we haven't seen him yet. Um, fingers crossed that that, uh, that he makes an appearance soon. But uh, obviously the big thing for the Jets is that you got the results that you were looking for in your final two games, and you can ride that a little bit going into uh, this series against the Oilers. Paul, we're through two practices here before the Jets turn the page and take on the Oilers on Wednesday. What are the goals for the team this week? Obviously, on Monday, the power play and penalty kill uh, were on full display at Bell NTS Place. Just how do you prepare for a series like this when you have this amount of time to practice? Well, I think the amount of time to practice and the preparation time will be well served by the Winnipeg Jets, their coaching staff, to to get what they want to get out of their team. So really, Tyler, it starts with kind of a couple of focus areas. And number one, the Sunday practice after the Saturday day off, following that last game in the victory against the Toronto Maple Leafs, was about defensive play. So you watched how they did their drills. There was a lot of three-on-twos. There was a lot of regroups. And then there was 5v5 plays. So they really mixed that up with an idea and a concentration on how they wanted to play. And when I say that there's this defensive focus, it's defensive focus till you get the puck and then transition and back to speed because you're just not wanting to go into a defensive shell. The Jets don't play that way. And certainly I think when... And I know that they struggled against the Oilers in the season series in the last handful of games for sure. 
but the Jets can play as fast as the Edmonton Oilers can play as well. There are dynamic, quick players on the Winnipeg Jets roster that will equal the Edmonton Oilers. So with the exception of the one player who is very elite in Connor McDavid and kind of that unicorn player, one of one, if you will, the Jets match up very well when it comes to that speed game. So they wanted to concentrate on what they wanted to do defensively and how they were going to try to handle the Edmonton Oilers. I think the number one thing when you talk about it, and Paul has mentioned this a few times, and the players by extension have as well, you know for a fact that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are going to get some opportunities offensively. They're just going to get those chances. They're that good. But what you're trying to do is limit the amount of chances that you give them and also limit the amount of odd man rushes that you might give them. So you'd be okay with maybe a three on two or a three on three with Connor McDavid rushing the puck inside the zone, but not a two on one, not a three on one, something of that nature you want to stay away from. So it was all about on Sunday, the defensive play and then transitioning once you got the puck to getting back to your speed game and your quickness. And then as you mentioned, it was about specialty teams the second day. It was about power play and penalty killing equal in both situations when it comes to the postseason, even more so maybe the penalty killing from that standpoint, because Edmonton, Edmonton had the best power play in the league and Winnipeg's wasn't that bad either. So if you can limit your opportunities that you're giving them on the power play, make sure that your penalty kill is good. You'll have a better chance to win. I would imagine you're going to see a bit of a hybrid between the first two practices and the final practice, but a lot more sort of selection toward the specialty teams before they get on the plane on Tuesday and go. Uh, that's what uh, Paul sort of dictated was going to happen. Defensive play, specialty teams, specialty teams. So I think that that's kind of where they wanted to get better. That's where they wanted to focus on. And I think when you watch the last two practices, that's exactly where that primary concentration has been for the Jets on just a couple of areas. Kind of keep it simple, right? Focus on a couple of areas, get better at those two areas, refine them, those two or three, before you go into that series with Edmonton. You don't want to throw a whole lot at your team, get everybody confused. I think what's been done has been refined, and it's been good for this team going into that series starting on Wednesday. Uh, going into the final game of the season, Paul Maurice talked about the gentleman's agreement between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Winnipeg Jets. So obviously, both had their playoff spots locked up uh, at that point. And uh, yet, uh, the Winnipeg Jets lost Paul Stasny and uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, as Mitch alluded to earlier. Uh, Mitch, you gave an update on those two, but the two guys in yellow uh, this week, Andrew Kopp and Nikolai Ehlers, uh, all four of them, uh, for that matter, Paul Maurice, is optimistic that we'll see them in game one. Just... What have you seen from Kopp and Ehlers this week so far? A whole lot of yellow, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, every uh, every day I go to practice and I'm hoping to see, you know, one of them kind of uh, ditch that jersey. Andrew Kopp really only missed, I mean, he missed one game this year and it was the last game of the season. Um, he took a, a quite a hit in the, I believe it was the second game against the Vancouver Canucks from Grayovac. And that, that's, that's like, I'm going over the, the footage and that might be the only thing that I've seen. Now he finished that game and, and whatnot and, and seemed to be fine. Uh, but he didn't practice after that. And then, uh, obviously didn't play in the 56th game of the year. And then he's been in non-contact ever since. So the one thing that I, that I did take away from the practice on Monday, the special teams practice is as much as, you know, the jets used a bunch of different options on power play unit one and power play unit two, 
Andrew Kopp, despite the fact he was in a non-contact jersey, was part of every single rep that uh, that second unit did do. So I don't know if I'm personally reading too much into that, but that is something that I noted. As for Nikolai Ehlers, obviously he's been out for quite a while. I believe it was April 24th when he took the, the hit from Jake Muzzin against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he hasn't played since. Uh, obviously a big part of what the Winnipeg Jets do. And Paul Maurice talked about it a little bit earlier. I believe it was on Sunday. Just, I mean, at five on five, he's probably one of the most dynamic Winnipeg Jets. You talk zone entries, he's your guy. Uh, up among the, the team leaders and shots on goal. He was second on the team in points at the time of his injury. One of the three guys on the roster that had over 20 goals. I mean, you name it, Nikolai Ehlers pretty much does it for this team. So if you're able to get him back in the lineup, that would be an absolutely massive boost. And Paul and uh, yourself, Tyler, talked about the speed of the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, the speed game is what Nikolai Ehlers does best. So if you can get him back in the lineup, that would be massive. Now, as for game one, you know, at the time of the injury, head coach Paul Maurice said he was hopeful and optimistic. Uh, and then as soon as the playoff uh, season, if you will, got underway, all he says is I'm optimistic on all of them. And that's kind of where he left it at. Um, I mentioned the participation that Andrew Cobb had on the power play. Nikolai Ehlers in that same vein only did one of the rotations with the second group. So perhaps he might be a little bit further away. Who knows? We'll see kind of how the next couple of days go. Uh, obviously, Ehlers is a guy that has played through injury before, played on a leg fracture against the St. Louis Blues in game six. We all remember that. So toughness isn't an issue. It's whether, you know, you can make the injury worse. So we'll see kind of how things transpire over the next couple of days. It was good to see Paul Stastny as a regular uh, skater in practice on Monday. Still no Pierre-Luc Dubois, so we'll keep an eye out for him. Hopefully he's doing all right as the series gets underway because that Jets depth at center or even on the wing where uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois was uh, finishing the season is strong and one of the assets for the Winnipeg Jets. So we'll see how all of this transpires. Obviously, this is not the time of year you want to have injuries, but at the same time, the playoffs are full of uh, stories of people jumping into different spots and filling a role when they needed to and, and coming up with, uh, with big moments. So we'll see what happens. Paul, uh, quickly before we get into uh, hearing from the players uh, about the playoff series, uh, Morsi and DeMello, they've been paired together for these last few games as they closed out the regular season. It looks like they quite possibly could start together for game one. What have you seen from this pairing? I think coming into the season, this was uh, a set of names that everybody thought was going to be beside each other going into the first game of the season, but that wasn't the case. And you know, obviously the, the Winnipeg Jets went through what they went through, um, but now this is where they're at. So what have you seen from those two defensemen and what can they bring to the table? Well, this pairing starts, as you alluded to last year with the 10 games that they played together during the regular season and then into the qualifying round against Calgary. So there was some history there, and I think that's why there was an impetus for everybody to believe that they were going to be paired together at the start of the year and they would just kind of pick up where they left off. Well, that didn't happen. But going back to last year, they were very good together. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And they have found that chemistry again of late. Now, you also remember that there was a baby involved at the start of the year. And Dylan DeMello, because of COVID, um, didn't have any support system other than he and his wife here and wanted to stay home. And, and that's very noble for sure. And I just think that it kind of got him off to a bit of a slower start. And that's why he was positioned down on the depth chart when it came to that third pairing for quite a while. 
But what we see with those two is there's always been that statement about a defenseman. What kind of defenseman are you? That's the question. Are you an offensive defenseman that can move the puck? And if you are, great, because then you have a value to the team. But if you're not, are you a defensive defenseman that is hard to play against below your goal line and in the slot area in front of your net? And if you're not the offensive defenseman, then you need to be that. And I guess in some ways, if you can be a little bit of both, then that's even better to help your chances of being in the lineup. Well, I think that one thing that we know about Josh Morrissey is that he's kind of gotten very good at being the defensive guy. And we want to see a little bit more from him on the offensive side. And he's running the power play now. And that's been kind of an opportunity for him to augment his game. But now you're trying to find somebody that he's comfortable with in getting up and jumping up in that plane, activating. And I think that Dylan DeMello, while he doesn't do either one, be an offensive defenseman or be sort of that bruiser back there extremely well, he does both okay and to the point of being very well from the standpoint that he's a good mix there. So I think it allows Josh Morrissey to be comfortable in jumping up and being a little more or having a little bit more of an offensive flair. The other thing is Dylan DeMello can play a little bit more aggressive in his own zone and he does move the puck very efficiently because he skates so well. He's one of the top five guys on the team when it comes to plus minus, even though he missed six games at the start of the year. He's a plus 10, that's second best on the Jets when it comes to defensemen. Uh, only topped by Logan Stanley, who didn't play in all of the games, only 37 this year. So it's a really good fit, and it's interesting that they've gone back to it because I think that this is the appropriate time. I think these two have really been able to kind of have that symbiotic relationship to each other. DeMello is that calming presence, knowing that Josh Morrissey can jump up. DeMello is going to be there. But at the same time, you don't just necessarily concentrate on Josh Morrissey moving the puck because there is an efficiency to Dylan DeMello in moving the puck out of his own zone and activating as well. So I think that the other part of that is that you can handle a few more minutes if you're Dylan DeMello right now. He's only had an average of about 17 on the year. There's going to be more and harder minutes that he's going to have to play, and I think that he's capable of doing that. So Paul's gone back to something that he already knew he had last year, and down the stretch here, I think it's been a pairing that we've noticed, and that's why we're talking about it, Tyler, because they've done so so well together, and it's been noticeable. It's been an affront, certainly, for the way the Jets have played on the back end and moving that puck and getting back to that quickness and that speed that we've talked about. It's been a really good pairing and one that they're going to have to really rely on are the Winnipeg Jets when it comes to this series against the Edmonton Oilers starting on Wednesday because between them and certainly the Pionk and Forbert pairing, those two are going to be front and center, those two pairings when it comes to the top two lines of the Edmonton Oilers. But I think that this is something that goes back to last year. There's a comfortability. They talked about it, both players in the last Last couple of days with each other and the coaching staff certainly likes it that's why they've gone back to it and they've had some success in the last couple or three weeks since they've been paired together again all right going to turn it over to a few winnipeg jets to continue on with this podcast uh, obviously it's been a busy week here at bell mts places the jets get set for their series against the edmonton oilers uh so we figured we'd let you listen in to what's been said so far uh we'll start with jets captain blake wheeler Followed up by Connor Hellebuck, Josh Morrissey, Dylan DeMello, Mark Shifley, Paul Stasny, Adam Lowry, and of course, Jets head coach Paul Maurice. Enjoy. 
Shop where the players shop. JetsGearandTrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets Gear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com. Hi, this is Neil Pionk, and you're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. I, I think that we need to, you know, play our game. Um, I think you're speaking about Connor, you know, in particular, and um, obviously Leon too, you know, um, they, they, those are two pretty unique guys. Um, so yeah, you have to be cognizant of when, you know, two of the, the best, if not the best players in the league are on the ice at the same time. Um, but at the end of the day, we can't play five guys in front of the net and not try to play hockey, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, there's no secret that they've had some success against us. We've had a tough time, but um, you know, there are some areas we can definitely be better. Um, and I mean, we're going to give it our all, see what happens. Seven game series and see how it shakes out. Connor, what's the biggest thing you've taken from your past playoff experience that you can take into the series? Well, when I think back, I just think of how easy energy was to come by, um, especially early in a series. You get those nerves going and get the emotions going and Everyone is buzzing. Um, everyone's bringing their A-plus game. So, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to play that kind of style of hockey. It's, it's going to be grind, and it's going to be fast, and it's going to be fun. On the role of maybe underdog in the eyes of many, do, do you cherish that role, Connor, the idea that maybe a lot of people are counting you guys out already? Does that motivate you, fuel you? Absolutely. Um, I, I try not to look at all that stuff, but – I mean, if you want to call us an underdog, go ahead. You know, we'll use that as energy. Um, any any little advantage that we can get right now, we're going to take. That's what it takes in playoffs, you know, anything. I mean, the last puck, the last tip, the last block, every little play is going to matter. Please, Josh, we know you uh, enjoy and cherish the role of going up against the league's best. Uh, could you just describe what it's going to be like to go up against Connor and Leon in a playoff environment? Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, they're two amazing players and um, – you know, they have just phenomenal seasons. And, um, you know, I think it's something that um, they're a huge part of the Edmonton uh, Oilers. And um, we're excited to have the opportunity to, to go in and, and uh, try to, to play our best. I think it's we're going to need to bring our best game. Um, we're focused on as a group, as a team, uh, you know, trying to bring, bring our best game. I think we made a lot of strides as a, you know, five-man unit. And, including the goaltender um, in our defensive game in the last few weeks. And um, so we're going to have to be on our best, uh, at our best, uh, in order to, uh, you know, play well against uh, this team that um, is very dangerous off the rush. And um, you know, I'm excited individually to, to get back to playoff hockey here. And uh, it's the best time of the year. Dylan, you've spent this season with a number of different partners and in different roles, but uh, lately here you've been paired with Josh. Uh, what do you like about the two of you together? And and uh, if that's how it looks in game one, um, what, what do you think the strengths of, of that pairing are? Yeah, I think, you know, our strengths for sure, I think is our ability to move the puck quick and efficient. I think, um, I think we do a good job of breaking the puck out and um, you know, moving the puck through the neutral zone for our forwards. And I think we've done a really good job since we've been back together here later half of the year, um, doing a really good job of activating in the O zone and keeping pucks alive, but also getting some good looks and 
um, you know, walking the blue line and, and making good plays in that regard. So, um, you know, it's, it's always fun playing with Josh and uh, he elevates my game and um, I feel real comfortable with him and easy guy to read off, um, you know, an amazing player and in every way he can kind of do everything and he does everything for our team. He's, you know, our leader on the back end. So, um, you know, I feel like he elevates my game and, um, you know, it's fun. Uh, it's fun playing with him whenever we get the chance and I feel like our game right now individually and collectively is in a real good spot. So. Um, if we stay together, I think we're both looking forward. Hey, Mark, uh, you've always said you enjoy going up against the best players of the world. So does that mean you relish the opportunity to face McDavid in a playoff series? Oh, for sure. You know, those those guys, um, you know, they motivate you to be better. They motivate you to, to work in your game even more. They motivate you to um, you know, be at your best every single game. So, you know, then, you know, you put the, the magnification of uh, Stanley Cup playoffs on the line. It, it, it amplifies it even more. So. You know, I'm definitely very excited for the opportunity and excited for the challenge. And, you know, I know those guys are as well. So, um, you know, it's fun to play against the best. You know, they both those both those guys, you know, prove day in and day out how, you know, they're the best players in the world. And, um, you know, you have to be at your best every single shift uh, against them or they're going to make you pay. All this one for you uh, in your experience uh, going into the playoffs. Is it better habit to stick with what got you here in terms of the power play? Uh, or do you go the route of maybe being a little less predictable and, and trying to change things up undercover? Uh, I mean, the more options, the better. And I think, uh, like Shaq was saying, I think on our team, we've got two good units, which means we have a lot of good players. So if you kind of flip-flop different guys, if guys play different positions, um, you know, we're comfortable in all those, all those slots. So I think that's what's, that's what's nice when you, when you have options. And I think we're comfortable you know, if certain players are playing game one of doing one unit and if guys come back during the series or if certain guys get hurt during a series, we're comfortable switching it up. And we did during the regular season. And I think, uh, especially for, for Shife's unit, I think, uh, you know, Wheels have been playing that half wall his whole career. So he's comfortable playing there. So if he has to play half wall, he has to play half wall. If he has to play goal line, he's comfortable there too. So I think it's, uh, us as players, I think it's not that big of a change. And it just gives a different look sometimes when things could get stagnant in a series. And Adam, what kind of things do players like yourself and Mark have to do to at least limit Connor McDavid's chances? Well, I think it's, it starts with managing the puck. And, you know, that sometimes, you know, for me, it'd be making a little safer play rather than, you know, maybe 50-50 play. It's you, you got to take away his speed. You got to take away his transition game. You got to get into, you know, his hands, get into his feet, and, you know, don't allow him to kind of open up the, the speed. He, he doesn't need a lot of space for that. You know, it's it's a little different with the way Mark plays versus the way I play. You know, I, I'm a little more physical. I'm going you know, to try and be, you know, kind of up and on him and, you know, not allow that. Whereas, you know, Scheif, his chances are he, they're going to have the puck a little more there. They're going to create some chances against Connor's line. So, you know, it's it's about if you get those transition chances, you're you're in a spot where you can recover that you're, you're not necessarily giving him or trading chances with him where, you know, that, that can be a real dangerous game. Does it always come down in the playoffs to our goalies better than their goalie? I mean, you can talk about McDavid and Dreisaitl, but does it not always just come down to the two goaltenders either end of the ice? I think if it's even, the answer would be yes, right? There are um, some pretty impressive goalie um where a goaltender absolutely carried a team where where 
one guy was the absolute difference. There's some Stanley Cup champions that maybe their goaltender doesn't get mentioned because their team's so powerful up front. Um, but in almost all of these playoff series that you see, well, let me answer it as I've always thought that that the Conn Smythe trophy is, is kind of decided. The guy that's holding the Stanley Cup that's wearing goalie pads, that's the Conn Smythe winner. If you win the Stanley Cup at some point, you have to have been the most important player for that team. That That's a general theory. I mean, but I think it, it might hold pretty close to true. The goalie uh, for the team that wins has to have been the best player over two months for that team to win. Yeah, just wondering, Paul, uh, what your thoughts are on that difference between the fans being uh, in those buildings in the U.S. and yeah. and here, and what kind of impact it will or will not have on the game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fair up here because we don't have to – nobody's going to have anybody in the building, but it makes a difference. It, it, just in viewing the game, just the noise, right? It just – it feels different. So it's so much more like – and I think I, – I really do believe that the only maybe possible silver lining in all this is that the the people and the players now have a, just a great appreciation for how important fans are to the experience for the players especially um i think it makes a big big difference and hopefully uh, hopefully it will be fair by the time a canadian team gets to the conference final it'll be a lot of people in the building Tune in to Jets TV Live after every home game for highlights, analysis, and all the post-game comments live. Find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and the Winnipeg Jets mobile app. All right, moving right along here. Obviously, the Winnipeg Jets taking on the Edmonton Oilers, as you already know. Uh, Mitch, I'm just going to ask you a simple question. What areas do the Jets need to excel in in order to have success in this series? Well, let me tell you, uh, <laughs> there's a number of different uh, facets to it. Obviously, a lot of the things that they have been working on over the last, I would say, three-ish, four weeks in terms of rush chances against and rush defense has to be one of the biggest priorities. I mean, you look back at the 6-1 loss that the Jets had against the Oilers, Paul Maurice still says all six of those goals were rush chances. So you just cannot feed into that. As Paul said earlier in the pod, McDavid and Drysaddle, they're going to get their chances. That's just how good they are. You have to know that that's going to happen and you have to be comfortable that that's going to happen because you can't play, you know, on, on, on your back foot playing de defense the whole time because that just gives them more space. You know, I, Adam Lowry also talked about, you know, how he defends Connor McDavid, maybe a little bit differently than Mark Shifley, but everyone just kind of has to play to their strengths. It's all about time and space. So that's obviously number one. Uh, between the pipes is a big one. Uh, Mike Smith's had a, just a fantastic season with the Edmonton Oilers. Connor Hellebuck, obviously the reigning Vezina Trophy winner. You know, four shutouts this year, 24 wins. That was in the league's top five, faced the most shots, had the most saves. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, come playoff time, he's got a lot of confidence in himself, and he should. And that confidence, you know, permeates to the team. So if Connor Hellebuck can, can gain the edge in goal over Mike Smith, that's going to be important too. And then I think you also have to look at special teams. The Edmonton Oilers were one of, if not the only team this year that was able to put up multiple power play goals against the Jets in a single game. They did that three times. So Edmonton's power play is the top ranked in the National Hockey League through the regular season. You got to be able to be disciplined. And then for the Jets, who finished the year two for 30 on their power play over the last uh, 10 or so games, you got to be able to get that going to be able to take advantage of your opportunities as well. So 
without, you know, diving into every single little aspect, because we can go line by line by this one. Uh, it's, it's rush defense. It's between the pipes and it's special teams. I think at five on five, um, the jets have a number, obviously have depth that can, that can work for them. The Edmonton Oilers are a team that can, you know, play quite well defensively and have shown that, but the jets are a team that can also generate. So those are the things that I'm going to be watching for starting right from puck drop in game one. Connor Hellebuck had an interesting quote, uh, after practice on Sunday when asked about the, the matchup between him and Mike Smith. And he said, you can call it that if you want, but it's really the Winnipeg Jets versus the Edmonton Oilers. And personally, that's how I've always thought about, you know, the question, the goaltending matchup. Well, I mean, it's more of a, a duel, so to speak. Um, Paul, I'll just get you to elaborate that on this a little bit. Just what do you make of this duel between the two, uh, the two netminders? Obviously you have one who's, you know, obviously in the twi- or the back end of his career. And then you have Connor Hellebuck, who's right in the prime of his career. Um, it's just who is it who bends and doesn't break type of thing well you also mentioned that being Connor Hellebuck that if people wanted to characterize the Winnipeg Jets as being the underdog that they would take it right that's what I kind of found interesting from Connor I thought that he was very assured of himself yesterday and and that was in the first media availability on the Sunday that the Jets had leading up to the Wednesday start of this series and he should. I mean, you know, he had a pretty good year again this year. And, and I'll answer your question in a moment. I mean, he had 45 games that he played this year, and that was the most in the National Hockey League. 2,600 minutes that he played, most in the National Hockey League. You know, he faced the most shots again this year in the National Hockey League. So he should be battle ready, not to mention the fact that while he is significantly younger than Mike Smith, and Smith is 39 years old, Connor Hellebuck has more playoff experience than Mike Smith. Can you believe that Mike Smith only has 25 postseason games under his belt? Certainly he's been a backup for a lot more, but that doesn't really resonate when you're in the middle of it and guys are taking shots at you. And he's had a long storied career for sure has Mike Smith. And he had a real good run in the last six to eight weeks with the Edmonton Oilers. And it's one of the reasons why they surpassed the Winnipeg jets and kind of put a little bit of pressure on Toronto for top spot in the Scotia North division toward the end. And while they were running to probably one of the hottest teams in the league near the end of the year, and that was goaltending because at the start of the year, they weren't getting any Mike's, Smith is more than capable, certainly of backstopping you and stealing a game. He's also quite capable, I think, of winning you a series. But his postseason past performance sheet would tell you that maybe there's still some question marks with Mike Smith, despite his elaborate career in the National Hockey League. And that Connor Hellebach, in this instance, might not be the underdog overall when it comes to the goaltending situation. And Connor does have some things to prove for sure. He's had some great moments in the playoffs. I think of the Minnesota series. I think of the Nashville series. But overall, whenever the Winnipeg Jets have been beaten in a series, there has been the other guy that has beaten him in that series. David Riddick last year in the qualifying round. It was Jordan Bennington the year before that. And then in the Western Conference Finals a few years back, it was Marc-Andre Fleury. So it's a matter of goaltending being the primary position in a playoff series. Paul Maurice has talked about this. The Conn Smythe winner, quote unquote, from the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, should be the guy that's holding the Stanley Cup wearing goalie pads at the end of it. 
That's how important goaltending is in the postseason. And I like the matchup between these two guys. And yes, it's team versus team, but I'm going to be watching who is the goaltender that outperforms whom in this series. And whomever does is going to give their team a better chance of winning the series. And I just have a funny feeling that Connor Hellebuck's time might be nigh for a little bit of a return to that 17-18 run that he and his team were so big and valued in when it came to getting to the Western Conference Final against Vegas. Not to say that Mike Smith might not have his games here as well. That's why if you're looking for predictions, I think this one's going to go very deep and then it's a coin flip after that, but it will be a primary of importance for either one of these two goaltenders to backstop their team to wins and a series victory overall. Before we wrap up this episode of ground control, just want to make one quick announcement. Uh, The Winnipeg Jets PR Twitter account announced today that the Jets have recalled the following players, Mikhail Burden, Eric Comrie, Dylan Sandberg, Marco Dano, David Gustafson, Dominic Toninato, and Christian Veselainen. Obviously, at the end of the regular season, the taxi squad gets eliminated, and these gentlemen will be part of the Black Aces, which is essentially the playoff version of the taxi squad. Uh, All right, the next time you'll hear from us will be next week after Game 4 of the series between the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Be sure, though, don't worry, the podcast game will continue. Uh, You can listen to flyby the official game day podcast of the winnipeg jets that's available wherever you get your podcast that's uh, jamie thomas and paul edmonds uh they'll tee up every single game day and have all the news and notes as well thank you so much for listening to ground control the official podcast of the winnipeg jets on behalf of myself tyler Escavel, jets tv's mitchell clinton and 680 cgob's paul edmonds have yourself a great day This has been Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com.